Greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this life and world. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Take straight every great path. Pay ye the way of the Lord. We will continue in our broadcast today um, from where we stopped the last time uh, on why men mistake the voice of God for the voice of man when God is speaking to us. We have seen uh, that men tend to look at God's word from their own perspective. That is from the perspective of a human, uh, something of a human origin, which would make it to become, which, which, which would mean that the word of God or the, the, the voice that is speaking to them is one of imperfection, one of falsehood, and one of impossibilities. We also noted in that conjunction, in that regard also, that men look at the Lord Jesus Christ as a mere man and so fraught with human frailties and therefore his words or his words rather are merely the words of a man another man and they can be taken and they can be left aside similarly people have seen the writings of the apostles in the bible as the writings of mere men and so they regard them as things that it doesn't really matter so when they hear the word of god from the perspective of the, of, uh, the epistles or even the gospels the tendency is to look at it as something that has some uh, imperfections of humanity and so they are subject to debate and as a result they are not heeded, they are not listened to. Um, another, another thing that we pointed out is the tendency of men to view the word of God as having contradictions because for example they hear the word of God and then when they step outside they see something that is completely different from what they've heard forgetting the fact that the Word of God requires patience and um, time to go through. It requires that we act, on, we act by faith on it, regardless of the circumstance that we find ourselves in. Furthermore, when a man does not have the Holy Spirit within him, if there is nothing you are going to do, he cannot receive or accept the Word of God as the Word of God. So he may be going to church, but if he does not have the Spirit of God in him, if he is not subjecting himself to the Spirit of to the um, authority of the Spirit of God, he is not likely to accept the Word of God. Then, of course, we also mentioned the fact that the gospel is the, 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 there's the simplicity of the gospel, which creates, which allows people to have doubts and unbeliefs in their minds, because. Uh, the, the, the word of God is not one that subjects itself to logical reasoning. It doesn't allow any form of logical reasoning. I mean, for, for example, when God tells you that he created the world in six literal days, people find it difficult to believe that. And so they would rather go with the ascription of the Big Bang theory or some evolution theory. And that is one of the reasons why, even when God is speaking, men mistake the voice of God for the voice of man. Now, in a broadcast today, we are going to be looking at something far deeper as to why men mistake the voice of God for the voice of man. And in order to be able to enable us express what we want to express today, we are going to be looking at a classical case of mistaking the voice of God for the voice of man by looking at 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. 1 Samuel chapter 3, from verse 1 through to verse 10, and I'm going to read at this time. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. 
there was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he, that is Eli, said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called us at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. The Lord bless him of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. What do we observe in these verses about Samuel's response to the call of God? First and foremost, we note that the moment he heard God calling, he immediately ran to Eli, the high priest, and believed that Eli was the one calling him. In today's world, we would say he ran to his pastor, he ran to his general vassal, he ran to his bishop, he ran to his general superintendent, he ran to his apostle, he ran to the person who was in authority, spiritual authority, over him. Indeed, we note that Samuel mistook the voice of God for the voice of Eli three distinct times. And he could have gone on and on the whole night if Eli had not, at the last time, mentioned him that I, I, I believe God is the one calling this boy and told Samuel that, go, the next time you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that was what stemmed the issue because when God finally called the fourth time, Samuel answered. I pray that God will help us to be able to receive and understand when he is calling and when men are calling, so that we don't make mistakes, so that we don't end up in trouble. Now, one thing I need to note at this point in time is that sometimes when God is speaking to us, especially those people, those who have dreams, they see the imagery of their general overseer or of their pastor and may believe that it is the pastor who is actually speaking to them. But if you weigh what is being spoken to you in the dream with the word of God and you see that it tallies, Inevitably, it is God who is speaking to you and not the pastor necessarily, but God who is passing a message across to you. And because you are more familiar with the pastor, he might use the voice of your pastor, he might use the, uh, the face of your pastor. But please don't get me wrong, it is also possible for Satan to do the same. That is why I mentioned earlier that you must confirm whatever you are being told with what is documented in the Bible. That is important. Sometimes we feel uneasiness when we are maybe lying down. Some we feel something uneasy and we are not even sure what it is. I always counsel people at that time, go and pray. It is possible that God is trying to get some things across to you. It's possible that God is trying to say something to you. Sometimes we are experiencing some difficulties 
in life, some challenges of life. Those are times that we need to go and settle down, find out maybe God wants to say something to us. And so he's stopping us from experiencing, from going through with certain things that we have. Beyond the mistaking of God's calling Samuel to be Eli calling him, the verses of scripture that we are that we are looking at in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 to 10, also, and more importantly, reveal some very underlying and fundamental reasons why Samuel mistook the voice of God to be the voice of Eli. And they are documented in that scripture. There are actually seven of them. And I, I want to group them as personal and environmental. Now, we are going to begin with the environmental ones. And if we have time, we will take the personal ones as well. Let us look at verse 1 again. In verse 1, the Bible says that the word of the Lord was rare, or the book in the Lord James says, was precious in those days. So the first environmental reason why it was difficult for Samuel to appreciate that it was God calling him and not a man is that is that of the scarcity of the word of God. That's an environmental thing. The scarcity of the word of God. There are so many churches in our communities today, yet there is a scarcity of the word of God. Scarcely do you hear people speak the word of God in many of our churches today. We hear all manner of uh, things being said, but not the word of God. Indeed, in Amos chapter 8, Amos chapter 8, from verse 11 to verse 14, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the, on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. A famine of hearing the word of the Lord. In verse 12 it says, They shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. In that day, the fair virgins and strong young men shall faint from thirst. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, As your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. God is saying here that he's going to cause a scarcity of the word of God, a scarcity that will not permit people to be warned in advance, a scarcity whereby they are not going to receive any form of guidance. They will continue in their iniquity and will fall. He says that people will run to and fro, they will be running everywhere, looking for the word of God, but they will not find, because he himself would have caused a scarcity to have taken place. Wherever there is a scarcity of anything, let's even look at the general thing, a scarcity of food, people tend to eat rubbish, people tend to eat anything, people assume that, well, look, it's just to put something in my body so that my body can be okay. That there's, a, there's an example of that in 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24 to 29, 2 Kings chapter 6, 24 to 29, the Syrian nation had laid a siege on the nation of Israel, and as a result of the siege, there was a famine within the nation, and some things began to happen. Let's look at how the Bible documents these things that happened from verse 24 of 2 Kings chapter 6. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. 
and one-fourth of a cup of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Can you imagine that people were eating the head of a donkey? That's not as bad. But what of eating the poop of a dove so much so that they divided it into four? A quarter of it was selling for money, meaning that people were eating it. How it was such a bad famine. People were eating donkey's head and dove's poop. But there's still more. It was even worse than that. Look at verse 26. It says, Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help me, Lord, our king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? In other words, if God is not going to give you food, where do you think I'm going to give you food? The woman was saying something else, but the king was trying to say, Look, <laughs> I can't help you. Anyway, in verse 28, the king went on the dead. Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? And she answered, This woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, Give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. Imagine how bad this famine was. That a woman would give birth to a child and would kill that child and boil that child and eat that child. That was how bad it was. When there is a famine of the world, people are subject to all kinds of statements and they claim that those statements to be the word of God. People, we are hearing all kinds of things today called the word of God. People pick the word of God, give it a wrong interpretation and that's all we hear. And then they lay claim to it that that is the word of God. All we hear these days are money, 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 money. People open the Bible and they see money. People open the Bible and they see money. We hear how we are going to be great. We hear so many things that are actually contrary to the word of God. That is because there is a scarcity of the word of God. We hear people who come up with motivational speeches and they talk of leadership from the perspective of the academia. They speak of prosperity from the perspective of the business world and all kinds of things. Not from the perspective of the word of God. And many people are gobbling these things up. And it is causing sickness and diseases spiritually in the, in the souls of many people in the church of God. What does the Bible tell us? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, God is warning preachers, warning those who say that they are pastors and leading people in churches. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to read it from verse 1, but essentially it's verse 2 to 4. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. Don't preach anything else. Don't preach Harvard. Don't preach the business economics. Don't preach the medical doctor's prescription. Preach the word. Don't preach military tactics. Preach the word. Don't preach politics. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Whether it is a Sunday meeting or you are outside evangelizing, wherever it is, preach the word. Whether you are invited to a celebration of sorts and you are told to preach, preach the word. Don't preach the celebrant. Preach the word of God. Let the celebrant also know that he must follow the word of God. Convince, he says, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Convince people, rebuke them. Exhort them. We cannot just be having exhortation, exhortation. There has to be rebuke because people are doing wrong things. I go out from time to time to preach the word of God, to evangelize people. 
And I hear many people tell me, oh, I go to church. And they mention the churches that they go to. Big churches, not the small churches. Big churches, many of them. And then when it boils down to asking them, are you born again? At least they are honest enough to say no. Some even will say yes. But, uh, and I ask them, so what does it mean to be born again? And they, they, they can't give an answer. And they go to these big churches. And I wonder, what are they being taught in the churches? And when you listen to the messages, it has nothing to do with the word of God. In verse 3, God is speaking to you and I. He's speaking to the leaders in our churches. He says, for the time will come. And I add, the time has come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will keep up for themselves teachers. We need to teach the word now. Now we need to keep teaching it so that they will get used to the word of God and not the words of men. He says the time is going to come when they will not want to hear the word of God. They are going to hip hop teachers. Look at verse 4. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. They will, they will be, they are more comfortable, people are more comfortable listening to stories, listening to fables, listening to things that have no bearing in God than hearing the word of God. So one reason why we find that men mistake the voice of God for the voice of, of men is that there is a scarcity of the word of God. They are not familiar with the voice of God. They are not familiar with how God speaks. And so when God is speaking, they mistake it to mean men because all they hear have been the teachings of men. Teachings of men from men. That's all they've been hearing. They, they are not accustomed to hearing teachings of the word of God. That's why they, that, that is why they are mistaking the voice of God to be the voice. A second environmental reason we also find when we go back to First uh, Samuel chapter 3 again. In that same first verse, the Bible says there, that not only was the word of God scarce in those days, it says there was no widespread revelation of God. There was no widespread revelation. The Amplified says there was no vision. The visions were scarce in those days. No revelation of divine truth. There's a, a scarcity of the experience of divine revelation. We are not having people who have experienced divine revelation ministering the word of God. On our pulpits. We're having people who just broach, browse the, the, the internet for messages left, right, and center, browse the word of God and pick something according to human reasoning and then they, they share it. We cannot experience divine revelation or receive or be in touch with revelation from God when we are living casually, when we are living for ourselves. We cannot. It is when we make up our minds to live for God. That is when God begins to reveal the divine to us, begin to open up scriptures and reveal truth to you and I. When we are not associating ourselves with the Holy Spirit, how can we know divine revelation? How can we be exposed to truth? In John chapter 16, before the Lord Jesus departed the world, he told his disciples, and by that extension, he told us, I'm going to read verse 13 and 14, of John 16. It says, however, when he, the, the Spirit of that's the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. 
We are not associating ourselves with the Holy Spirit. If we were associating ourselves with the Holy Spirit, He will reveal truth to us. He will tell us what it is that the Lord Jesus wants us to know. He will expose and expound the scriptures to you and I, and we will know. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, from verse 9, and I'll stop at verse 12, I read, the Bible says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of God except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Until we are associating with the Spirit of God, we are not going to be able to know the things that are freely given to us by God. We are not going to be able to have access to divine truth, which is revealed only by the Spirit of God, who knows the mind of God. And that is a problem. There are many people who are preaching the Word of God who do not have, who do not even know the Spirit, who do not even know that there is a Holy Spirit. I've encountered people who speak and when you tell them about the Spirit of God, they say, no, 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 no. I don't want any evil spirit to come near me. And I wonder, what do you mean by an evil spirit? They say, well, you know, <laughs> this issue of uh, praying in tongues, uh, if, I'm, if I'm praying, how do I know what spirit is praying through me? Except you are an unholy man, will an evil spirit come into you? If you are living in a holy manner, you are living according to the Word of God, I guarantee you that the spirit that is speaking through you will be the Spirit of God. Also, like I said earlier, we cannot be living casually. We cannot be living for ourselves and expect that God will speak to us. In Psalm, 19, Psalm 15, Psalm 15, verse 1 to 5. Psalm 15, verse 1 to 5. The Lord is asking, or rather the, 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 psalm, the psalmist wrote, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy who is it that will live with God? Who is it that can stay in the place where he can hear, where he can receive revelation from God? He says, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. One who has integrity within. Not just one who is mouthing it, but one who from within his heart is speaking with integrity. He, had, he who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. Not one who is siding with somebody because he's from his ethnic group, because he's from his political party, because he's from his state of origin, but who looks at a vile person and that vile person is despised. He's not going to take falsehood and say, well, you know, because he's from my, because he's my person. No, a vile person is a vile person. But he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. When you've made, once you have made a promise, you do everything within your power and beyond to fulfill that promise. And where it is not practical, you can explain. I say this is why this promise cannot be kept. Verse 5. He who does not put out his money at usury, 
to put money out of the is to charge high interest, especially where the money is to be used for feeding, where the money is to be used to do something that does not generate income. You don't give money at usury, and even if it's at high interest. How do you give somebody whose profit on a project would be no more than 30% of the project value, and you charge him an interest of 5% per month, and you know that he's not likely to be paid for another 90 days? In fact, many people are now charging 10% per month. How do you expect that? You expect that person to, to do what? I, I hear these days that people even tell the people to, to pay the, that until they have paid the full principal, they should continue to pay the interest. In fact, some people are comfortable receiving the interest only even though the principal has, has not been paid. How do you do such a thing? And you say that you want to hear divine revelation, divine truth. You cannot. The same thing is repeated in a, in a more succinct manner in uh, Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4. It says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. That's the person that can receive divine truth. That's the person that can be in the presence of God to receive understanding of what is contained in the written word of God and then disseminate sin. But where we don't have that, there will be a scarcity. And where there's a scarcity of people who are experiencing divine revelation, you are not going to have divine truth in our churches. And if we're not having divine truth in our churches, then it means that what we're hearing are the words of men. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, Hebrews 12, 24, the Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man can see God. We are to follow peace with all men. We are not to engage ourselves in ethnic fights, in political battles, and all other manner of fights that we are seeing in our times today. Our focus is to be on God and his word. So we should be at peace with all men as much as lies within us. And of course, walk in a holy manner and we will find God speaking to us. In Jeremiah chapter 23, Jeremiah chapter 23, from verse 9 to 32. Jeremiah 23, verse 9 to 22. I'm going to read, and it's God speaking to those people who lay claim to be prophets, who claim that they are hearing the word of God, and yet they are not communing with God. And hear what God is saying to them. And I pray that God would help us to change our disposition towards him so that we can hear him and hear him clearly. From verse 9, My heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man and like a man whom wine has overcome because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers and for because of a curse, the Lord, the land mourns. The pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up. Their course of life is evil, and their might is not right. For both prophet and priest are profane. Yes, in my house I have witnessed, I have found rather, their wickedness, says the Lord. Therefore, their way shall be to them like slippery ways. In the darkness they shall be driven on and fall in them. And for I will bring disaster on them. The year of their punishment, says the Lord. And I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied by Baal and caused my people Israel to err. There's wickedness in the house of God. People are prophesying by idols and causing people of God to err. That is to stray, to go away 
from following God. Also, I have seen a horrible thing in the prophets of Jerusalem. Even those who say that they have God, those who say that they are Pentecostal. It says they commit adultery and walk in lies. They also strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns back from his wickedness. All of them are like Sodom to me and her inhabitants like Gomorrah. How is it that sinners can be comfortable when they come to church? How is it that somebody, even a Christian, who has done something evil throughout the week, can come to church on Sunday and not hear a word of rebuke, not a revelation from God that is pointing to the sin of that man? What is going on in our churches? Time was when you went to church with fear that my, my, my sin would be revealed. Not now, you go. Even you go, with, you even go sinning. Look at the kind of dressing that people put on to go to church. How can thieves and political, politically corrupt men be comfortable in our assemblies to come and sit down there? Even if they come once or twice, they should, they should not come back until they have changed. But no, we are committing iniquity in the house of God. Verse 15, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Concerning the prophets, behold, I will feed them with warm wood and make them drink the water of God. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, profaneness has gone out into all the land. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. The King, old King James says they make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. How does a governor, that is in Nigeria, who is not paying salaries and who has been given money to pay those salaries, be comfortable in your church and you did not call him aside, even if you don't want to speak to him openly, you don't want to rebuke him openly, did you rebuke him in private? And if you did once or twice in private and he still did not listen, then rebuke him openly. But no, you keep entertaining these people. And they come and workers, workers in, their, in their offices, in their ministry, in, in, in their government are suffering. And nobody is speaking to these people. Verse 18. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? Who, who is that person that has been in the presence of God and has perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury. A violent whirlwind, it will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Have you noticed how prophecy these days is tied around the events in the world? Have you noticed how people are prophesying concerning political events? Have you noticed that they don't even speak about the soul, the, the state of the soul of men? And they say God spoke to them. Can it be the God of the Bible that we are talking of? That spoke to them and all they are talking about is who will be who, who will be in government, whether elections will hold or elections will not hold. Is that what God is speaking about? What of the souls of the men that are perishing? What of those people who don't know they are left from their right and are engaged in iniquity, thinking that they are doing the right thing? Verse 22. But if they have stood in my counsel, if they have found themselves in the tabernacle of God, if they had had clean hands and pure hearts, 
If they had not lifted them, lifted up their souls to vanity, and they had stood in the castle of God, and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil ways. Have you seen how iniquity runs wild in our churches? How men and women are so wicked and they carry out their evil deeds. And from the evil of their doings, am I a God near at hand, says the Lord? Am I not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, says the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor, as their fathers forgot my name for them. The prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? If you have the word of God, speak it faithfully. Speak the word of God faithfully. Don't try to beg people. I have seen some pastors who after speaking nonsense all over the place, one day you just hear them speak a sound word. Within another two, three weeks, they are back to speaking their rubbish. What happened? As they spoke the word of God faithfully, their churches began to dwindle and they did not want people to leave. So they began to speak rubbish again and the people began to come back. Do you think people don't know where the word of God is really spoken? They avoid those places. They go to places where the word of God is not spoken, where their sins will not be exposed. And so they cannot hear the word of God. And when they hear that word they, and they hear the, the, a man speaking, they say, God has spoken. But when they go to the place where God is really speaking, they say, I don't want to hear that. that. That man is just speaking from his own heart. They know the truth. Verse 30. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, everyone from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, he says. That is, God says. Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them. Therefore, they shall not profit these people at all, says the Lord. Do you know that when you speak the word of God, when people hear the word of God, they cannot err. They cannot commit sin unknowingly. They cannot knowingly sin. It's not possible. That the fear of God will be there if we are truly teaching them the word of God. But because we are not teaching the word of God, that is why people are erring all over the place. Go running amok. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, the Bible says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy or blessed is he who keeps the law. Where there is no, the, the Amplified puts it this way, I think, something to the effect that where there is no divine revelation of truth, revelation of the redemptive power of God, or the redemptive plan, or redemptive purpose of God. He says the people will do as they like. We have people casting off restraint in our churches today because of the absence of divine revelation. The manner of dressing, the manner of speech, the manner of behavior of people in our churches is a sign, an indicator that we are not speaking the word of God. We don't have, we are not speaking by revelation. Otherwise, 
they would have stopped what they are doing. We would have been able to turn them away from what they are doing. So we have seen scarcity of the word of God and scarcity of the experience of divine revelation. These are environmental factors. We proceed again. In verse 2 of 1 Samuel chapter 3, the Bible says, And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his own place, many church leaders are lying down with contentment in their place. Their place of success, so to speak. And it is their place. It is not the place of God. They are content with what is happening in their meetings. They see people coming and they are content and they just lie down there. Things are so bad now that we find pastors preaching only about their church. They don't even take cognizance of the kingdom of God. The prayers taking place in their churches is about their members. A pastor will speak and say, I'm speaking only to my members. Who are your members? Are they not children of God? The word of God is to be spoken, is to be listened to by everyone who is a child of God. Whether he's a child of God even or not. Particularly where we are speaking in terms of evangelism. We cannot be creating a limitation and say this word is only for my church. How can there be a word only for your church? Is it not for the kingdom of God? Brethren, the third reason is the lethargy of spiritual or church leadership. Eli had become lethargic to things around, so he was just lying down. There are many who are just lying down. They become lethargic. In Exodus chapter 32, read a classical example of someone who was lying down and the people began to speak to him. Exodus 32, verse 1 to 10. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. It's like today, people are not, people are wondering, when is Jesus coming? So because they're not hearing anything about Jesus' return so soon, they are now telling pastors, church leaders, what to do. And church leaders are listening to them. The led are, being, are now the ones leading the leaders in verse 2. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden rings, earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made a molten calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next morning, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drank and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molten calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. This is a pathetic story. I'm a pathetic story of the church of God today. Aaron was only a few days back in the presence of God. He ate with God. 
They saw God along with the elders. And you wonder why Aaron was doing this thing. The other elders who went with Aaron to the mountain, didn't they say to Aaron, ah, is this, what are you doing? This is not even what we saw. This calf is from Egypt. Nobody so told them, nobody said anything. They were all happy to make a God. Today we have gods that men have made. So people can pray in the name of the God of pastor so and so. Because the God that that pastor serves is a permissible, is a permissive God. Is a God that permits iniquity. Is a God that permits unholiness. Is a God that permits unrighteousness. They don't want the, uh, they don't want the true God. Because the true God cannot permit what is happening in many of our churches. The lethargy of spiritual leadership. Those who should correct are not correcting anyone. Instead, they themselves are engaging in idolatry. So sometimes I wonder, what is the essence of all the meetings that we are having? What is the essence of all the programs that we have? If at the end of the day, nobody is corrected enough to change his ways. What is the meaning of it? In Joshua chapter, chapter 1. Verse 1 and 2. After Moses had died, Joshua was mourning. And let's, let's, let's look, look at what God said to him. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over the Jordan, you and all these people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. God had to push Joshua to get up. Left to Joshua alone, he wouldn't have minded declaring more days of mourning. Because for whatever reason, he probably did not want to do what it was that God wanted him to do. It is time for church leaders to arise from the place where they are lying down. You will recall when we spoke in First Kings chapter 13. I would advise you to go and read First Kings chapter 12. Because of lack of time, we will not be able to read all of it. But this was how Jeroboam began to bring idol practices into Israel. And yes, into the nation of Israel after they had separated from the nation of Judah. And sometimes, as I read these things, I wonder, were there no prophets, no priests in that land? Don't forget, there was an old prophet that we read about in 1 Kings chapter 13. Where was he when Jeroboam was consulting? Let's read it. 1 Kings chapter 12, from 26 to 33. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now the kingdom may return to the house of David. Because people were going to Jerusalem as usual. And Jeroboam became, became worried that these people, they might go to Jerusalem and not return to me. In verse 27 it says, If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of these people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Therefore the king asked advice, made two cows of gold, and said to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. He is taking his script from the error of Aaron. Aaron made the error of one. He is making the error of two. And he had people there. The old prophet was there at least. And they, they said nothing. In fact, I'm sure those were the people that gave him the advice. Today we, have, we are in a competition. Churches are having different concerts. Because they don't want their members to go to the other concerts. I don't understand this thing. I cannot understand what is going on. What is so, what is in this thing called church that we will, we will denigrate the name of God and do whatever it is that we like? In verse 29, and he set up one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. 
He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Have you seen the people who have been called pastors today? It is frightening. Some of these people are still smoking in their hair. Some of them are still drinking alcohol. Some of them are still committing adultery and even fornication in some cases. And yet they have been ordained pastors. We have gone the way of Jeroboam. We have made golden calves. Many of our programs are nothing but golden calves. We set them up there because God did not ask us to do those programs. But we set them up there so that people will not go to the program of the other church. So that they do not become members of the other church. Verse 32, Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month, like the feast that was in Judah. The feast in Judah was in the 7th month. His was in the 8th month. And offered sacrifice on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the cows that he had made. And at Bethel, he installed the priests of the high places which he had made. I mean, just imagine that. We are doing all kinds of things. We are having all kinds of programs. And laying claim that God is the one that asked us to do those programs. I very much doubt so. No wonder in Ephesians chapter 5, church leaders are being warned to arise from their sleep, to awake unto righteousness. Let me read it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 through to 18. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. God is advising those of you who are leaders in the church. It's time to awake. Don't get caught up with attendance. Don't get caught up with how much time is coming in. Don't get caught up with those things. Are you even considering the souls of these people? Are you, I, I, have you thought that these people are actually on their way to hell in eternity and that you're not helping them? And I want to say this. I do not know how you can lead people to hell and you yourself not end up there. God told Ezekiel, when I tell you to speak something to people and you don't tell them, the man will still die in his iniquity. But I will demand his blood from you. But if you tell them and he still continues and dies, that's okay. That's his business. He, 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 will, he, will, he will answer for himself. Let us forget about these things that, that make us feel that we are doing something. The fourth one that we'll take is, I continue to read verse 2 of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. There's a lack of vision among spiritual leaders. As it was in the time of Eli. No vision. Many of our church leaders, their eyes are growing deep. The only thing they can see is financial prosperity. Miracles, tithes, offerings, building projects. They pay little or no attention to spiritual prosperity, the spiritual well-being of the people. The, the, the souls that are with them. The spiritual growth and development of their people. They are not paying attention to it. It reminds me of what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23 and 24, concerning the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and honey and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. He's not saying don't pay tithe. Go ahead and pay your tithe. But what of the weightier matters of the law? What of the matters of justice? What of the matters of mercy? 
one of the matters of faith, one of the matters of equity. I've discovered reading through the scriptures that whenever the disciples or the apostles wrote to churches, they wondered about their faith. Not about how many cars they had. Not about how many people were in the churches. Not about how much money they had in the church. But about the faith of the people. They not just himself said in, in, in Luke chapter 18 verse 8. He said, when the Son of Man shall return to where shall come to this earth, shall he find faith among men? In verse 24 of Matthew chapter 23, the Lord goes on and says, Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Simply put, majoring on the minors and minoring on majors. We have left the weightier matters of teaching the word of God, of teaching the truth to converts. And we are now talking about everything is miracle. Everything is miracle. I remember one time in, in the late 90s and the early uh, 21st century when there was so much about breakthrough, breakthrough, which by the way is still spilling over today. Somebody remarked, after we have all broken through, what next? Because there is a need for people to hear the very word of God. People need to be taught the word of God. There's so much casualness about the word of God today. It is, it is as though you can, you can pick and choose what you want to hear. And what was, what was it that the Lord Jesus said to these people in Matthew chapter 15 verse 1? He says, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Both the pastors and their followers are falling into ditches. Not following the word of God. Not heeding the word of God. There is a lack of vision in the church of the living God today. And that is a sorry case. Because if there is anything that the church of God should have, it is vision. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 to 19, I want to read about the church and see how pathetic it is when a man thinks he has something and yet he lacks the vision that God wants for him. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, this thing says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. It's giving them counsel here. He says, this, this money you have is no money at all. I want to counsel you what to do. Go and buy gold that is refined in fire. He's talking of faith. Bible says when our faith has been tested, as gold is tested in fire and purified in fire. He's talking about faith. Go and start knowing what it means to walk with God by faith. You may suffer deprivation, yet you still trust God. You may be facing life challenges, yet you still trust God. Nothing about those challenges will make you to go and do something contrary to God. He talks about going to put on white clothes. I'm not talking about going to sew a white dress and put it on. No! He's speaking here about the righteousness of God that is in Christ Jesus. So that you may cover your nakedness. You don't know you are naked. This church felt that they had everything. Yet as far as God was concerned, they had no faith. They had no righteousness. And finally, they were blind. They had no revelation. They said, come and buy eyes out. Come to me. Let me give you revelation. 
In verse 19 it says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Many people think that when they are speaking to God, when they are speaking about God, that God must be excited with them. That it must always be an exciting message. God also rebukes and chastises all those that he loves. If you are doing something wrong and you are not being chastened, perhaps you are not the child of God. Perhaps what you are doing is not of God. So God doesn't care. These are fundamental environmental factors that affect the ability of those who go to church from hearing when God is calling them, when God is speaking to them. And they think that it is a man who is speaking to them. I said earlier, scarcity of the word of God, scarcity of the experience of divine revelation, lethargy of church leadership and the lack of vision of church leadership. If we can deal with these environmental things in our churches, then we put the onus on the individual to seek to know God, which is what we shall be looking at in our next broadcast. For now, I want to speak directly to those who are church leaders at whatever level. From what you have heard, it is clear that there is the need for us to revisit the word of God. There are many things we may have been taught over the years that we, that we believe to be true, but and they are not true. Go back and refresh yourself with the word of God all over again. Read from Genesis to Revelation all over again. And forget about the idiosyncrasies you have built up around the word of God where you can pick snippets and expound and yet those snippets are not taken in context. And hear what God is saying. Relieve the Bible by revelation. Paul spoke and said, the gospel that I am teaching you, I did not get it from men. I got it by revelation. It is time for us to speak by revelation. Not to be led by, the, by, 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 by those that we are leading. Oh, pastor, you know, and that's what they say. Oh, pastor, you know, I went to one church. This is what they are doing now. I think we need to do that. And then you go and do it. Have you spoken to God about it? No, but you do it because it is a crowd puller. You have become a politician. Politicians are the ones who are excited about crowds. They are the ones who are excited about votes. Get the vision of God. The vision of God is that you do his will. The vision of God is that you, you build up the people that he has brought under your care. My counsel to those who are not church leaders at this time is focus on God. You never can tell. God might want to make you, God might be preparing you for leadership tomorrow. Recognize that the focus of God is his word. The focus of God is his will. And both are one and the same. My prayer is that you will take these things to heart. And when next we meet, my prayer is that God would have spoken to you extensively. And then we can now look at the second side, which is the personal factors that make it difficult for us to know when God is speaking to us and think that it is a man who is speaking to us. For now, goodbye and God bless you.